0: Welcome to Pop Break Goes to Washington, I'm your host, Allison Lips. This podcast discusses how politics has been portrayed and filmed throughout the decades. Today we're discussing the 1997 political satire, Wag the Dog. For those unfamiliar with the movie, you're in for a treat today. Wag the Dog is a black comedy that stars Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro as a Hollywood producer and spin doctor, respectively. The movie also features Dennis Leary, Ann Hesh, Woody Harrelson, Kirsten Dunn, William H. Macy, and Willie Nelson in supporting roles. I'm not sure what that cast says about the film, other than you're in for an interesting ride. My guest today is Tyler McCarthy. Tyler co-hosts the Pop Break Today podcast, Not Couple Goals, with his wife, Allie, who appeared on a previous podcast, and has appeared on the socially distanced podcast podcast and Batman by the numbers. He also writes content for various NBC Universal brands like Sci-Fi and the USA network. Welcome Tyler, is there anything you want to add to your intro?
1: No, you hit you hit all, all all the notes. Uh that's that's me in a nutshell. I do all of that stuff. I love podcasting, I love writing, and I love uh movies, uh particularly movies that sit at sort of the intersection of politics and entertainment. Uh, which really falls into the wheelhouse of this podcast. So I'm excited to be here.
0: You're in the right place. (laughs) And now, before we wag the dog, let's set the cultural and sociopolitical scene at the time. It's important to note that the film is not based on real events. And while the film is based on the book American Hero, which was later re-released as Wag the Dog, the film has fictional characters while the novel mentions George H.W. Bush and members of his inner circle. By the time the film was released, Bill Clinton was the president. A year after the film was released, reality imitated art. Bill Clinton's sex scandals with Linda Tripp, Monica Lewinsky, and many other women made news. And then the United States went to war in the Balkans. The film created a fake war in Albania. The U.S. dealt with a very real war in Kosovo that was officially entered into for humanitarian reasons. That brings us to Wag the Dog, which made a respectable $64.3 million on a $15 million budget. Given the niche appeal, the movie finished 53rd at the 1997 year-end box office. That's not unexpected given the top grossing movies of the year were Titanic, a movie starring Mr. Bean, and Men in Black. That brings us to today's discussion on Wag the Dog. Tyler, had you seen Wag the Dog before?
1: No, and it makes so much sense that I hadn't given the, I, it didn't occur to me that Titanic and Men in Black were were the movies of that year. I definitely saw those in theaters. At, I mean, 97, I was six years old. So it's, I imagine yeah. my dad wasn't taking me to see a uh, mammoth movie, but- it's... No,
0: also <laughs> Jurassic Park was released the same year.
1: Really, Everyone
0: was focused on other things.
1: Yeah, it, there was just so much in 97 um that this really flew under the radar, it seems. um I mean, like you said, it scored a respectable box office, but yeah, ending 53rd is, I would say, uh, uh, appropriately lost in the shuffle, uh, which is interesting considering the star power this movie has. There are a lot of big names in this movie.
0: Yes, and... I think if it was a year where more adult movies were bringing in the money, it probably would have placed higher. But everyone was going to family films, even though Titanic isn't really one. People treated it as one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's got the romance, the love story. And like we all know it somewhat it ends in tragedy, but only for like one of our main characters. Right. Jack. Yeah.
0: Sorry if that's a spoiler.
1: Oh my god, if you're I I don't I don't if you I want to meet the person who's upset about a Titanic spoiler in 2023.
0: I haven't actually
1: seen the movie and I know that. Oh Really? You haven't seen Titanic?
0: No, I'm actually not a movie person. TV is Mm. my wheelhouse. However, politics and film is the one area of movies that I am familiar with.
1: Really? What is it about politics and film that really gets you? Like like lights up your brain and specifically because that is like you said it's a very like uh, niche area.
0: My undergraduate degrees are in journalism and radio, TV, film.
1: Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) like
0: oh yeah, makes perfect sense. And I actually took a politics and film class in college, and I was also in AP history and AP government and politics in high school.
1: So hey, fellow AP history kid, right Um, on.
0: That seems to be a theme with our guests. (laughs) So after you take the AP test at the beginning of May, the teachers are like, "Uh, I guess we're watching movies.
1: Yeah. I remember finishing that test and thinking, this will help me on a podcast someday.
0: Exactly. (laughs) That's where I was introduced to Wag the Dog. So I was introduced to Wag the Dog as a 17-year-old high school student who thought that we're going into tv and journalism and that's how we got here
1: and and what year are we talking uh if you don't mind my asking when you're 17 like in high school
0: i graduated 2009
1: okay hey same here we're the same age cool oh yeah normally i would steer clear of asking someone their age on the podcast but this movie its topics and its themes it like you said like art imitates life immediately after this movie comes out and then continues to do so. Like it's the original book seem to be about George HW Bush, but yes. it applies hardcore to Clinton. It applies hardcore to Bush, the Afghanistan war, like all of it, like every war, foreign conflict we've been in, in the last like 20 years has some elements of wag the dog in it, it seems.
0: And if you are British and or anyone who's British and knows the Falkland war, yes and margaret thatcher this would have been familiar to them also when i was looking up the box office stats i found it interesting that a third of the budget came from overseas i didn't look Hmm. into where that came from i suspect a lot of it is from the uk and other english-speaking countries because i can't imagine this going over big in countries that Right. Albania yeah yeah
1: it's Albania billionaire money funded this movie <laughs> Yeah,
0: number one at their year-end box office
1: <laughs> what has Albania done for us wag the dog I guess Hey, I'm Allie Nelson, and I love romantic thrillers. And I'm Tyler McCarthy, and I don't know much about romantic thrillers. Together, we host Not Couple Goals, where we discuss the best and, let's face it, worst in romantic thriller cinema. We cover classics like Wild Things and Cruel Intentions. And newer releases like The Boy Next Door and Deepwater. Sometimes it's just us. Other times we're joined by great guests, including some of your Pop Break favorites. So, if like me, romantic thrillers are your guilty pleasure, or you were raised on Lifetime movies like me, join us every other Thursday on the Pop Break Today feed. Hey, it's Bill Bodkin, editor-in-chief of ThePopBreak.com Join myself, Amanda Rivas, Al Manarino, and a cavalcade of awesome guests on the Socially Distanced podcast, the flagship podcast of
0: ThePopBreak.com And it's Amanda Rivas. If you're a pop culture obsessed nerd like
1: we are, then you need to make Socially Distanced an integral part of your life. We talk all the things, Marvel, Star Wars, you know, everything on Disney Plus pretty much, as well as
0: the hottest trending shows and news in the world of pop culture.
1: This is definitely Al Manorino and not Bill Bodkin. So listen to the Socially Distanced podcast every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so we can eventually get Disney Plus to give us advertising money. Please, we could use the money. i I have children.
0: I know when I was talking to you about the podcast, I mentioned I wanted to read the book, which I have.
1: I well, wait, you read the the book that this movie's based on?
0: No, I didn't oh. because I opened it, read the intro the author wrote an intro to the the 10th anniversary version of the book, which is the one I had Mm -hmm. and was like, the movie has nothing to do with the book, but did a great job of adapting it to the film. So (laughs) I tried to read the first four pages of the book and I'm like, this is going to have no bearing on the podcast whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Save yourself some time.
0: And it wasn't particularly gripping. I had the same issue with the book even though I only got four pages in, that I had with the movie, which is there's so much news fatigue about the politicians and what's going on in the world, especially Donald Trump, Joe Biden, the way things are so polarized in the U.S., where I'm like, I get why it resonated with me the first time I saw it, but now I'm just like, this stuff happens all the time.
1: Yeah, and for the, for the podcast listener if you're listening to this not not necessarily when it comes out, we're recording this about a, 2 weeks after Donald Trump's indictment for um the class having classified documents at his personal residence just to get like not doesn't necessarily have bearing on Wag the Dog, but it explains a lot about what Allison is talking about in terms of what fatigue we're having. There's a scene in Wag the Dog where the president, the whole inciting incident for the movie is the president is accused of sexual misconduct with an underage girl. The movie's equivalent of a Girl Scout. And there's a scene where everyone's Firefly at the airport. Girl. Yeah. there's. Is that a real thing?
0: I don't think so. I think it's one of those names that everyone comes up with, like Bumblebee yeah. Girl.
1: Well, so there's a scene in the airport where this news is breaking and everyone in this busy airport just stops and gathers around a TV. And I remember writing in my notes, oh, how quaint, how quaint. The president's accused of sexual misconduct and people care. People stop what they're doing. It's big news.
0: Yes. And it's a minor. And yeah, and also with the political fatigue or recording this on a day when Hunter Biden has is making the news again yes and is expected to enter into a plea deal for i don't know i like, believe the
1: news now is that he's ple- expected to or has pled guilty to to uh i believe like misdemeanors or uh, federal misdemeanors oh, yeah, tax charges yeah related to firearms and tax charges from the tumultuous 2017 through 2019 that he had which, again, so it's political fatigue and it's, uh, you know, it's honest, straight across the plate scandals as opposed to this movie, which is all drummed up fiction.
0: No pun intended. Yeah. Um, And it's fiction, but there's just so much that echoes reality to a scary level. Have you ever seen the British show Yes Minister or Yes Prime Minister?
1: It's no, seen- I haven't. British TV tends to, like, other than, like, Doctor Who and all the ones that, like, really easily cross over into America, uh, British TV goes, like, it's not something I'm super familiar with.
0: So, Yes Minister is a brilliant political satire. Obviously, it's a British show, so it takes on the British establishment and government. It's also a lot of, like, misdirection and manipulating people to believe what you want them to believe. And it's not a dark satire like this is, which is why I'm able to watch it without the same sense of looming dread. (laughs) Because this movie, Wag Dog, is just so dark. And I like Dustin Hoffman. I don't watch a lot of Robert De Niro films. What is Goodfellas or The Godfather? Which one of those is he in?
1: He was uh both. I think he was in Goodfellas oh. and Godfather 2. He plays a lot of mobster roles. He's he's very yeah. well known for that. Raging not, Bull. That's not a mobster role, but it's it's very adjacent. Um, basically like uh, it was interesting of to
0: testosterone. S-
1: yeah, a little bit, but like subtle, quiet. This sort of like made man testosterone. It was actually like kind of interesting to see him in this role where his you know it's not about necessarily like mobster style intimidation. My favorite line from him is he keeps saying like, yeah, it's true. I saw it on TV. Like he's just very um he's he very smart when he's in the limo after he like talks down the CIA from investigating him, he's like, Ah, eh, they didn't think it through. Uh, he doesn't play a lot of chess players like he does in this movie. Uh, and typically
0: also it's true I saw it on TV is one plays very differently in a world where we have the internet. Yes. And you, it's like
1: just you because know what it you read reminds it me doesn't of.
0: make it true.
1: Exactly. But, you know, that sort of like that that political language that he spoke that like, here's what the people perceive language that he was speaking. It reminded me a lot of Veep. I don't know if you're a fan of Veep, but it's like it's it's this same stuff. Only instead of being like dark comedy, it's a little more overt, still like dark, but not 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 the like subtle mammoth-esque dark that this movie tries to achieve. There's there's big laugh out loud moments as opposed to this where you're not quite sure if you're supposed to laugh.
0: And the predecessor to Veep is a British show called The Thick of It.
1: Yes, still Armando Iannucci, right? The creator. Yes,
0: and The Thick of It is a spiritual successor to Yes Minister. So we have a full circle. All right. Uh, Yes Minister is very much of the 80s. Mm. Um, Since we're talking about British TV and politics, also recommend The New Statesman, which stars Rick Mayall as Alan Bastard.
1: Okay, I'll jot all these down. Um, and
0: he's just a manipulative, slimy character.
1: <laughs> Whereas... yeah, I mean, that was the thing that struck me about this movie is this is a movie where there are no heroes whatsoever. Every single person you encounter is just bad. Like, they're yes. all covering up the sexual harassment of a minor. People yes. die. I believe three people die if you include presumably the pilots of the plane – like it, th- there are casualties just to affect this uh, uh, lie that they're trying to come up with all to shield a sexually abusive president.
0: Gets reelected and people say that it's due to his slogan, which is, you don't change horses midstream.
1: Yeah, which I, I wrote down and I had to, I had to look it up because I thought the expression was, you don't change horses in the middle of a race. Uh, but apparently you don't change horses midstream is the expression. And yes. it was actually, I think like Abraham Lincoln used it for his re-election bid.
0: Right. I don't know why you're riding horses in a stream.
1: I guess but... it makes sense because back in the olden days you would have to like ride your horses through a stream if it was tall enough, and that would be how you'd get across. But That's and like giving I me Oregon
0: under... trail vibes.
1: Exactly. And I can understand that being a bad time to swap horses, sure, but Middle of a race feels like the more contemporary uh, uh, reference.
0: Yes. And it's just a horrible slogan. <laughs> it, it It's not even a good slogan in 1997 or earlier since that's when the film would have been filmed.
1: Yeah. And it was there's so many commercials where people are just saying that like they take time in the movie to show show this commercial so many times. They show a repeat of like the two jockeys saying it, but there's so many commercials. Like, he's committing so hard to this. Like, even, even Trump with Make America Great Again had, like, others. He didn't lean into the slogan that hard, at least during 2016. Um, it, it's it's a, str- it's a really strange one. And I appreciate and he, in the end that it drives, it literally drives Dustin Hoffman to, like, kill himself.
0: Well, he it's implied he's murdered by Conrad.
1: Yes. Um, but... That so... was the best scene of the movie, in my opinion. It was just, like... Everything. I found myself, my attention waning a little bit during this movie Yeah, because I think it's got a small problem in that 10 minutes into the, like it, this movie does not mess around at all. You're five minutes into the movie. And Robert De Niro was basically saying the president's accused of sexual misconduct. Let's fake a war in order to like move public attention away from that. You're right in it. And then it's yes. like joke landed premise landed. We now have an hour and a half of movie left.
0: Yes. and. Robert De Niro's character convinces Dustin Hoffman's character to produce the war like it's a movie. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have to convince him very hard, even though he makes it very clear that the best doesn't even matter, the characters' names. I mean, we're just going to call them Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm not big on character names.
0: (laughs) So Dustin Hoffman is just like... So like this sounds like a cool project. Like, what am I gonna get for it? And Robert De Niro's like, the best you can hope for is an ambassadorship to whatever country you want. And Dustin Hoffman's like, I'm not interested in that, but let's do this anyway.
1: Yeah, he gets into the he gets into the love of the game. He Dustin Hoffman is like his character anyway, is a world class producer. He really does do this, uh, but he's obsessed with credit. And pretends yes. like he's not until it's too late.
0: Yes. And they have Dennis Miller and Anne Hesch as the goons. It's,
1: you know, it's Dennis Leary. But when you say Dennis Miller, I'm like, why wasn't Dennis Miller in this movie? Oh, wait. Movie? Yeah, this it is, is around Dennis the right time. Dennis Miller would have been great in this movie at that time. <laughs> now he's gone, like, really, like, weird and right wing. But at the time, like, man, he would have been. A, I'm. So, I would be shocked if he didn't, like, read for something for some reason for this movie. Yeah.
0: But Dennis Leary, also perfect for that role. Yeah.
1: Another, like, really guy of the 19, of 1997.
0: But Dennis Leary and Anne Hesh, like, the goons who are just, like, following orders. <laughs> and somehow Willie Nelson gets roped in to write a song. Like, Dustin Hoffman's really going for making this and selling this. And it's important to note that this is after the... Desert Storm, which was the first war broadcast on cable news. So a lot of, I believe that's the war that people refer to as the first war that had its own soundtrack.
1: Yeah, was it the first broadcast on cable news? Wasn't? Was there, or was that like Vietnam? Was Vietnam footage broadcast on the news, or was it?
0: Yes, Vietnam footage. I believe. W- yes, it was. But I bet broadcast. it wasn't live. It was not live. Whereas ah. with cable news, it was. Yeah, Vietnam part of the reason why we were forced to pull out because of public opinion and like LBJ lost Walter Cronkite is because people didn't know why we were in the war and they were seeing their sons and neighbors dying. Yeah. In a foreign country in a war that we weren't really sure what were we gaining in this.
1: And then was desert storm. Like we are the world. I only know that we are the world was like a, Philanthropic song that a bunch of celebrities got Involved in but it occurs to me after watching This movie that I don't know what it was actually like For
0: uh usa For africa
1: oh Okay all right so not Having so to do with AIDS. the AIDS. oh okay Okay okay
0: yeah that was the 80s
1: I did know in, in looking Up the imdb trivia willie nelson who In this movie plays a character Who isn't he's not willie nelson In that he is not his character is not Named willie nelson yes. everything else Is 100 percent willie nelson but yeah, he, And it's like
0: how Did they yeah. get him
1: I'm not sure Willie Nelson knew he was in a movie I think they just like had him on set We're like here's a guitar noodle around Here's what we need you to do That scene where he's like I think I'm supposed to be writing a song Is like very real
0: get The green stuff in your trailer Yeah Not oregano but we're not going to talk about it
1: <laughs> Probably told him like uh, Dustin Hoffman was actually Robert Evans Like yeah just you know hang out at his place, talk about it. There'll be cameras rolling, ignore them. Um okay. But he, he, I believe Willie Nelson like sang on We Are The World. So that makes it funny that he was like spearheading this huge satire of it.
0: I don't know if it was necessarily a huge satire of it. I think it was more of patriotic songs, like Yankee Doodle mm-hmm. Dandy. And like, Every War has a song that comes after i forget like, there was a huge country song right after nine eleven.
1: i think it was like trace atkins uh i forget what it was called too but i remember like my parents and everyone being obsessed with it and it's like the music oh. video is just like him singing in front of a flag yeah yes. and that's kind of what this movie traffics in is just the the blind patriotism like what you can do just by being like patriotism is good uh uh like you love the flag don't you you love america don't you you love our soldiers don't you these like touchstones that yeah. can make people without doing too much critical thinking just kind of be like oh if i run and touch this i'm on the right side of history
0: and the song i was thinking of is toby keith's courtesy of the red white and blue
1: oh okay yeah but trace apparently... Atkins had one too but yeah toby keith wins is the it was toby keith
0: there was also a Hank Williams Jr. one. That I think every so country artist decided to have some jingoistic yeah song that definitely did not age well. But we were all like, yeah, at the time.
1: You should, you yeah, know, it's I was going it'd be illegal, but I was gonna say you should play this podcast out with just all of them on a. People look, like, why is this episode four hours?
0: Or it's just a mixtape of
1: yeah,
0: really, oh.
1: But they're the worst. If you go back and listen to them, I'm sure I'm sure someone smarter than me has made a a Spotify playlist of all of them. And it's probably got like a thousand thumbs downs.
0: And they were all country songs. Like there wasn't any like rock and roll or rap.
1: Yeah. I mean, the killers aren't about to get out there and be like, you know, we really need a patriotic song right now. That's our that's our market. That's our wheelhouse. Ozzy Osbourne's getting out there like let's reunite Black Sabbath and let's really do this one for the troops.
0: Yeah, they got yeah. Between nine eleven and seven seven. Yeah. (laughs) The two countries coming together.
1: Um but the 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 song, like everyone is just doing all of this in Wag the Dog for such nefarious reasons, for such at worst nefarious, at quote unquote best, just apathetic. Like Willie Nelson's not doing a good thing, but he's just kind of there. Dennis Leary like is trying to monetize this effort in any way he can.
0: Dennis Leary was just being Dennis Leary. (laughs) Because I went back and uh, I've already gotten into, not trouble, but for a podcast on George Carlin, quoting George Carlin. One of the cleaner quotes, yeah. (laughs) I got slapped. But um, uh, Dennis Leary at the time, he had a song on the charts called A-Hole.
1: Yep. Oh, I was a big fan of Dennis. That whole special... No cure for cancer. When I was like a little middle schooler, and I was like young and dumb, and thought I was a badass. I was super into that standup special. Oh, and I was. It does in, not age well.
0: I was super into Dimitri Martin, which yeah. also doesn't age well. But at least I wasn't.
1: Dimitri Martin doesn't age well. No, he doesn't. Oh no! I remember I loved his uh uh his show, Important Things with Dimitri Martin. I've watched that like as an adult, and I'm like hell yeah, this is that's still that still does it for me.
0: By the time I saw him at Rowan as a college student, his stuff was already starting to just it captured a moment in time.
1: Uh so it was just a little to you like to you it was a little played out. It never got like problematic. Or is that or or did it?
0: I don't think it ever got problematic. I okay, think that's it good just name. like comedy evolved and people moved on.
1: Yeah, as it will do.
0: It's kinda like Dane Cook was famous for five minutes and then just
1: yeah now to hear like a, a, a modern dane cook special yeah it feels very played out i get that
0: right and it demetri martin replaced dane cook as like the myspace comedian of the moment
1: oh i don't know i feel like i can think of a more like <laughs> i was about to say joe rogan-esque leaning uh dane cook like guy but i think technically that would be joe rogan even though he's not necessarily known for his stand-up
0: right um I mean you can also throw in um Jamie Kennedy in there.
1: Yeah. Yep. For that mix. But I guess Dennis Leary in his way was sort of the precursor to all of them. I feel like it went from like George I feel like it went Carlin to Leary. Well Bill and Hicks. Bill Hicks is somewhere in there, yeah.
0: Which Dennis Leary may or may not have stolen a huge part of Bill Hicks's shit.
1: Yeah, I didn't listen to much Bill Hicks so that could be true
0: i, I the, the thing that happened to Bill Hicks was he died before anyone could truly he van Gogh appre, appreciate I think it was cancer. Yeah,
1: I didn't mean the cause of death. I meant dying before your work is appreciated, oh. <laughs> <laughs> actually, a fun mystery around how uh, Van Gogh actually died. Everyone look into that if you're interested in that little corner of history, but. I digress. Wag, wag the dog. Dennis Leary in this movie. This came at around a time too where everyone's trying to put Dennis Leary in projects because his comedy was like so uh, of the moment that they're casting him as like like hot guys and romantic leads and stuff like that. And well, it's a, it's a very Leary, strange. Time. Really, he's been in a, a handful of movies where it's like he's the hunk, he's the sexy guy. He did some movie with like Elizabeth Hurley where, in order to get a bunch of money. From inheritance, he has to go around to like all the women he scorned over the years and like get a verbal apology. So it's like a road trip redemption movie with him and I think Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, he's they. There was an effort. There was a time.
0: For Dennis Leary, it was a romantic lead.
1: Thought of as such, yeah. I don't know if he ever. I mean, like, hit Rescue the mark. Me
0: makes sense. That TV series. Yeah. For him, uh, and now I think he's a character. He plays a character on organized crime.
1: Oh, the Law and Order, like, yeah variant? Oh, I didn't know that.
0: I believe he just started this season when I was looking stuff up.
1: Oh, okay. But,
0: like, I mean, I didn't watch Rescue Me. I mainly knew him from talk show appearances because he was always on Conan O'Brien because they're yeah. third cousins.
1: <laughs> and I'll say this about him. In this movie and all the other movies he does, he can only play smarmy Dennis Leary, but he yes. plays it pretty well. He's a little, like, he's a... A little like David Duchovny in that regard. David Duchovny can play a David Duchovny type, and that's it. But a David Duchovny type is really fun to watch.
0: Yes, he's one of those actors with no range, but (laughs) it's fun to watch him play
1: himself. They've captured something.
0: Like, I love um, Dave Foley, who was in Dick. Yes. But Dave Foley plays one of two characters, which are both variants of Dave Foley. Yeah. Um, You either get like nice Canadian guy who swears a lot or like this smarmy guy where you're like, oh, keep him away from your children and every woman you ever met.
1: It's so funny to me how much time we're spending on like the Dennis Leary of it all, because he is so of the moment when this is a movie that does boast like De Niro and Hoffman, who are two like capital A actors. um, I have to imagine the mammoth of it all is what drew them in what do you think
0: probably i think robert de Niro also produced the film oh really yes
1: was this so was this at a time though where he was big enough to where like at a certain point like any movie will smith or someone like that is in they're also going to get a producer credit just because just throw it on there because you're a get but 97 i guess De Niro well him was a... and
0: uh Hoff, dustin hoffman i don't think they did not get paid up front
1: like oh. they were
0: both sold on this movie.
1: I, I get it. The, the whole movie's them on screen for like most of it.
0: We're going on so many tangents.
1: We are. I'm too. sorry. You probably you probably had rails for this, and I've just I've just gotten us off them. I apologize. Oh,
0: I'm just sort of like I didn't know what we were gonna talk about because this movie, like you mentioned, like it's really over in like five minutes, and then they just yeah. drag it on, and no one's likable. I like the Dennis Leary character, because he's the, the only one with personality. Like Dustin yeah. Hoffman's character is a possibly gay director who just walks around in smoking jackets. Like he's Hugh Hefner.
1: Well, I was thinking there is a scene early in the movie where De- Hoffman's asking like, why me? Like, why are you coming to Hollywood? Why are you coming in my circle to do this matter of state? And De Niro gives this speech about how like, you know, the the, the, bombs during the Reagan era like all of these major political events are show business and yes. it's a, it's like a little condescending which feels quaint to say like oh the american public's smarter than that they're not but <laughs> it's still a little condescending and that speech i feel like justifies an entire movie written by people in hollywood based on the idea of what if we were just so influential what if we just Shaped all of the world's events, and the public just ate up everything we said. Like it does become like Hollywood producer uh, uh, fever dream very quickly after that.
0: I mean, yeah, just go watch this with Network. With what? Network.
1: Oh. Howard deal,
0: yeah. mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. Like Network it, and the Player are also two movies where it's like, unless you work in the film industry, you, there's no interest in this movie whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And it's the the scenes where it is, and it's the whole movie, the scenes where they're just crafting, they're sitting around a table, smoking, crafting this narrative. Everyone's throwing out ideas. He's putting them together. I remember at one point Hoffman is like, he's like, yeah, we're cooking, we're cooking. There's a bomb and it's got to be in. And then he goes to a globe and is like, uh, Canada. And it's like, did you need to go to a globe to know what's adjacent to the United States? Is that <laughs> what just happened? And yeah, those scenes where it's cooking, that's like mammoth dialogue doing a lot of the heavy lifting.
0: Yes. And there, like, I felt at times there's no action. It's just people talking and not very compelling dialogue either, because if it's compelling dialogue, you don't need a lot of action.
1: Yeah, it's, um, like, and again, this is classic mammoth stuff. I'm sure there are people listening who are bigger mammoth students than I, but I do believe, like, that's sort of, uh, you know, That 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 quick dialogue, that overlapping dialogue, it's sharp. It holds your attention. But at the end of the day, the topic is we're faking a war, and you can only you know stack so much uh, cheese on top of that sandwich before you're kind of like this 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 isn't working right.
0: And it might have worked better in a time when like we're literally worried about AI making fake photos that we can't tell (laughs) apart from the real thing, whereas here they are with 1997 CGI photoshopping cats over a bag of chips as Kirsten Dunst pretends to be an Albanian girl fleeing, bombing in her village.
1: Yeah, and that, that's a good point. AI could totally write this movie.
0: <laughs> and for some reason, the president calls, and instead of a calico, he wants a white cat.
1: Yeah, he's and- that was like one of the most overt jokey parts of the movie is the president's really into the cat choice. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
0: But it's like the only time the president has any input in anything that's going on. So it's kind of funny, but also like <laughs> really.
1: Yeah, it's it's that, and he doesn't want to read what turns out to be like an ultra inspiring speech that Dustin Hoffman's character wrote and like delivers in the Oval and makes all the exclusively all the women cry.
0: Yes, and. It kind of got away from us, but before we get into old shoe, (laughs) we should talk about the intro text, which was, why does the dog wag its tail? Because a dog is smarter than its tail. If the tail were smarter, it would wag the dog, Mm -hmm. which is where the movie takes its name and is really a commentary on our relationship with the media
1: yes for sure it's like uh there's also like an expression in journalism like man bites dog there's a lot like journalists in public opinion they're really uh uh obsessed with just what dogs are doing
0: man bites dog not news dog wait dog
1: bites man dog bites
0: man not news uh a dog wait what i keep saying it the wrong way
1: it's uh dog bites man not news man bites dog news yes um, but wh- yeah, Wag the Dog is, yeah, it's because it, it, I think the original title of the book was American like Hero. American Hero, which is also fitting uh, because like Dustin Hoffman, uh, Robert De Niro, they're out here thinking they're American heroes. They're doing it all for their party. They have that weird sort of like fake come to Jesus moment in the car where they're wondering. Like, what are we doing this for? Like, what is the reward? And Anne Heche is like, you, you know, help your party and subsequently your country and subsequently the world. And you can tell to, like, Hoffman and even De Niro a little bit, like, that's a little thin. Um,
0: I don't even think they believe that they were the good guys in this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But what they do know is that they can throw much larger but manageable problems at much smaller unmanageable problems and get the outcome that they need this whole movie is just them creating fires that they know they can put out to distract from the one that they simply can't
0: yes they want everyone to focus on the shiny objects long enough for them to forget about the major issue Mm -hmm. which is where sergeant Schumann comes in or old shoe as the (laughs) song in universe states and he is played by Woody Harrelson, who they later find out he is a convict in a military prison who I think he raped someone a nun raped a nun
1: raped a nun and but before we get too far into him, I did wanna I did find it funny the way he's the way that his presence is necessitated. The candidate who's going against the president just declares the war is over. He like gets in cahoots with the CIA and is like, yeah, I'm totally safe to like, I can't go out and say this is a fake war, but I can be, I can play just as dirty and be like, hey, the war's over. They pulled out, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. Craig T. Nelson, man, real, <laughs> real, a real political chess player. Coach. Yep. But that necessitates, yeah, old shoe who ends up being, I think, the 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 largest villain of the movie in terms of worst person.
0: I don't think it's a competition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think every everyone's got blood on their hands. But the way he dies was like played for comedy, but it was deeply upsetting. What was happening there?
0: Yes, it was a guy who used his meds who just couldn't keep it together for more than five seconds. Yep. Who tried to rape a farmer's daughter, and then the farmer's just like, "Okay, I'm gonna murder you," and then so shoots him, and then Dustin Hoffman's like, "He's still alive, don't worry," and then boom, another shot, and like, okay, like, strike that, or whatever he said. Yeah, I think
1: it was strike that, which was, for me, the biggest laugh of the movie. Like, that's the most overt like, laugh out loud moment.
0: While this deeply disturbing action is, because it's just cold-blooded murder at that point.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Cold-blooded murder, but like, justified. He was attacking that poor farm girl.
0: Yes. And the whole thing, I think Aside from Dennis Leary, Woody Harrelson was probably a highlight of the movie, which Mm -hmm. is interesting because you would think we'd be saying Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) Instead, we're like the secondary characters played by people who aren't necessarily known for this type of stuff.
1: Yeah, Hoffman and uh, De Niro shine Consistently throughout the movie, but that that allows the secondary characters to shine brightest. And Harrelson, for sure, F- like feels like he's in a different movie at times. He's just so like hey. real lifeing them on that plane. Yeah, these are men in, like, e- and like and H two like men and women who deal in like the theoretical, the spin, and all of this. And then to have like an actually threatening person in this plane with them was was unique and interesting to say. I, I would
0: have liked. I'm wondering what it would have been like had they brought him in earlier.
1: Yeah, if they had to do a little, like, a little more keeping him out of the public, polishing him. I thought the remainder of the movie was going to be them trying to, like, get him to keep it together in front of the public.
0: I think that was a missed opportunity for a B-plot.
1: I think so, too, but I also think there was a lot of room for failure there because it would have turned this, like, subtle dark comedy into just, like, an outright farcical comedy uh, uh, And if they actually got him off that plane And in front of people But I don't know I, I
0: would have thought more like keep breaking him out of jail Like keep... take him when they need him
1: Oh yeah <laughs> So he keeps going to jail And then when they need a talking point or something like that They bring him on out
0: Because like, like Kirsten Dunst And like all these other like alternate plans They keep failing So they keep having to take Shu out of prison
1: Yeah which apparently they'd be able to do the... the Things happen so fast in this movie. The information pipeline is so small. When they have that initial scene where they, like, figure out the war with Albania and, like, they spend that overnight in Dustin Hoffman's house when Leary and all those other people are introduced, then, like, they're up till three in the morning and then the next morning, like, reporters in the White House press pool are like, how about that war in Albania that we've all been talking about? Like, the such a small window of information. I do wonder... If it's really like that in the White House, it kind of if I imagine it there's some degree of truth there,
0: well, the entire movie took place in ten days because that yeah. was when the election was going to take place, and it was John Michael Higgins who was playing the press secretary, yes, which he has such a bizarre career.
1: <laughs> that guy's all over the place,
0: like he's now hosting a game show on Game Show Network, but like he played. David Letterman on an HBO movie about oh, really The Late Shift, yes, the Bill Carter oh, book cool. was turned into an HBO movie in the nineties. And for some reason he's playing David Letterman with red hair. Alright. Um, I'm just looking at John Michael Higgins right now. Yeah. Late shift, David Letterman. He was on Seinfeld apparently. Yeah. Frazier, Party of Five, George Lopez, a bunch of bit parts. Joey <laughs> uh, Who's a uh, community? Yeah, he's very divorced. funny
1: in community. I love that. I mean, I'm a community person, so I think everyone on that show is great. But uh, he plays a really great like dead poet society wannabe that no and no one's really buying it. It's it's very funny.
0: He was on Happily Divorced as Fran Drescher's ex husband who she lives with. <laughs> um, Jesse, the di- uh, yeah, the Disney show. All right. Like, I don't even know how he ended up hosting a show on Game Show Network, or actually hosting two shows on Game Show Network.
1: Oh, really? What are the shows?
0: Uh, a revival of Split Second, which I believe was originally hosted by Monty Hall. Nice. And then, the other one? He hosts, Uh, I think it's America Says.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have pegged him as like a game show host guy since he's such yeah, a character actor person. But that's interesting. He's he's good in this movie when he has to be, too. I love that they sort of like dismiss him from the room in the very beginning, being like, go, yeah. earn, your, go earn your paycheck. I, I found it interesting that the president two weeks before an election was overseas in China. That was strange. I feel like two weeks before an election, you're you're at home, like crunching poll numbers, doing all yes. kinds of stuff.
0: But it also could be that they knew the scandal was going to break, and they wanted him out of the country so that everyone wasn't constantly shoving a microphone in his face.
1: That could be true. That could definitely be true. I, it's in in it, its utility wise. It seems like it was an effort to make it so that the president was a uh, like Maris from Frasier, like an, a figurehead right. as opposed to a character. And I right. I wondered if I while I was watching if that was a missed opportunity or if that got in the way at all um
0: that was intentional i watched yeah i don't know how long the thing actually is but on the dvd um that was released in like 2004 or something like that there is a sort of documentary about the movie and, <clears throat> and they talk about how the Bill Clinton thing happened after the movie was made and then the movie became very surreal and what... I'm sorry, what did you just
1: say? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was meant to the president being away and, like, how that was oh, a yeah. device to sort of not have him be a character, but more yeah, a figure. Yeah, that
0: was intentional because I don't... It might have been David Mamet or someone said that they wanted the it to be about the office and not about a person.
1: That makes sense. But it's strange that he... That, like, Craig T. Nelson is, like, an actual character and all of that. But... I guess not too strange. It it worked Uh, for all the things in this movie that maybe didn't work. That was, that was one that I guess did work.
0: All of the people that they, like with the exception of De Niro and Hoffman, everyone else, they dug up to play in this movie Scream. (laughs) (laughs) The 1990s, the late 1990s.
1: Yeah. But in the best way, I kind of like those time capsule movies you just throw on because again, if it wasn't for this podcast, uh, like i I would have rewatched Titanic again or something, like I never would have found this movie, uh and I'm glad i had I've seen it
0: and then there's also the line in the movie, which I wrote down, which does not bode well for anything, and <laughs> I think this is more foreshadowing on life than anything else. The president is a product,
1: yes, when does he say that again? Is it like is that like the first scene?
0: Mm, that's or is that towards, Anne
1: Hesh's line?
0: Uh, I have it towards the end of my notes, right after oh, Old okay. Shoe gets killed. So it's the last ten minutes of the movie.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, when and that's when Hoffman starts to get really mad about the fact that everyone on the political oh, it was a political talk show, and everyone right attributing it to the slogan that you don't change horses midstream, mid-stream. and it's like. That no one voted for him because of that. Like let's make that perfectly clear. Yeah. And then that's when uh, Stanley Moss, which is Dustin Hoffman's character, and Conrad.
1: It's a weird last name.
0: Yeah, it is. Um Con... starts with a B. What is it? It's name? De Niro. Yeah, it's De Niro. We've been <laughs> it would be nice to mention them at least once. Conrad Breen. Yes. And they start talking business about this ambassadorship, and that's when Dustin Hoffman's like, "I'm gonna reveal this all. I want credit and Then they're talking about the men of the three o three and then like Dustin Hoffman's like, "This is the best work I've ever done and like De Niro's like, "You know the deal and well, that's he's when, not
1: wrong. it is the best work he's ever done
0: and that's when they he gestures to like secret service type guys. Or de Niro's but yeah um gestures and then dustin hoffman's taken into this like black vehicle and the next thing you hear he died of a heart attack
1: yeah it's actually a really great scene for de niro in terms of just subtlety he de niro like approaches dustin hoffman looks him right in the eye and says you're playing with your life at this point like he tells him like we'll kill you for this yes. like we're not playing games and Hoffman gets a little uh, too big for his britches and is like, ah, forget my life. This is about credit. This is about legacy. And you'll see De Niro does not have another line in the scene. He backs up, crosses his arms. He lets uh, Hoffman just sort of punch himself out. And then when Hoffman leaves the room, De Niro gives the nod. It's like really great, like the way Hoffman yes. or uh, De Niro writes him off. He's like, this is the game.
0: That's one of the best scenes of the movie.
1: I agree. Not just
0: because it's at the end. <laughs> And it then, felt like
1: the most action the movie had. Yes. You know, quote unquote action. It felt aside from what
0: aside from Woody Harrelson just
1: crashing the plane.
0: Yeah. And then there's the Albanian terrorist group, group that takes credit for the attack.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which like, it's not even real. But I th- I thought they were saying it was real. My my wife and I watched. Uh, uh, God bless Ali. She watched uh, this and Dick for this podcast. Uh, she we were t- we were talking after, and she was like, "Wait, was that fake?" And I was under. I thought that they were implying that because because this news story happened because they put this Albanian war out like into the ether that actual Albanians actually got radicalized, and now there is an actual like foreign uh, uh, problem. In Albania with the United States, like there's actually Albanian terrorists now because they put this out there. But I may have that may be a misread on my part.
0: I took it as like the Albanian terrorists were taking credit for something that did not happen because you know whenever there's a tragedy, there's always some <laughs> terrorist group that's like, right, we did that, and it's like no, the airplane crashed because of the engine failure.
1: No, it was a volcanic eruption. It's yeah, no like, one's fault.
0: Right. like There's always some terrorist group willing to take credit for something.
1: Right. But the, still, the either way, the implication is now there are now there are Albanian terrorists. Now all of the oh, work yeah, that, that is true. did. Either
0: way you read it, Albanian terrorists now exist.
1: They have birthed dissent universe. and unrest in the globe, on the globe, for the globe. I don't know.
0: Because the president wanted to weasel his way out of a sex scandal with a minor.
1: Yes. People died. I was trying to count. So wait, Hoffman dies. Old Shoe dies. Yes. I'm going to say the pilot died. Yeah. And I'm going to blame our protagonists for that. Three people died to protect the president from news breaking that he hit on a minor. They really go for it in this movie. What's sad
0: is that I'm like, totally could see something close to this happening. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's what that's what the movie traffics in the whole time, is like that voice in the back of your head going this could really happen even as it gets progressively crazier that voice is just like this could really happen
0: yes and it's i guess that's why this movie just didn't do it for me this time around Mm. whereas when i mentioned the new statesman with rick mayall that's more like first he starts off like your run of a mill the mill like shady politician Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the series, he's just straight up murdering people.
1: <laughs> it's a British show. So I imagine let's like three or four episodes?
0: Um, No, 24.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was my little little rotten shot at British TV for no real reason. <laughs> you can see why I'm the type of person who like Dennis Leary. I'm not perfect.
0: Um, yeah. So 20. 20- but no, like there could literally be like three or four episodes and I'd be like, it's the greatest series ever. Yeah.
1: And- British TV, they they get in there, they hit their mark and they get out.
0: Faulty Towers is only 12 episodes.
1: Yeah. Well, until,
0: until they make the revival, which hopefully they don't.
1: And then they've all, but then they've also got like Dr. Who, which is like suck it Simpsons.
0: Well, Dr. Who was canceled for a while. That's true. And there's and a huge difference between modern Dr. Who and the old serials.
1: I'd even say there's a difference like per, like between each doctor too. Like well, it's, yeah. it's a good gimmick. It's a little like uh Star Trek in that regard where it can live forever it's just a new crew every time a new doctor every time. So they're, they're able to get away with more. Yes. I forgot how we got to Dr. Who from wag the dog, but, <laughs> but we that's got a onto of British TV. Yes. 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 Um, um,
0: yes. And I brought up the new Statesman, which I think everyone should at least check out an episode or two.
1: Yeah. I'll take a look at it. Uh, that sounds good. I like political satire. I like political leaning, like uh, shows. I think, I kept drawing comp- in my notes anyway. I kept drawing comparisons to wag the dog and veep. Um yeah, specifically because both shows are all about spin. And both shows, despite being set in the world of politics, are weirdly apolitical. Like they don't declare whether this i don't I don't think unless I missed a line of dialogue, they don't declare which side of the aisle Craig T. Nelson is on or our faceless no, president. no. Uh, And none of the scandals are necessarily political. Robert De Niro, he's fighting for his party, quote unquote, but we don't know if this guy's a Democrat or Republican. We don't know if his party is like white supremacists or bleeding heart liberals. Like, it's all about winning once you get to a certain level of politics, which I think is a uh, uh, trope of or or at least a through line of Veep as well. It's the type of people who are drawn to politics are the type of people whose competitive nature knows no bounds
0: yes and yes minister also is one of those shows where you don't know what party anyone is Mm. um you don't even know who the prime minister is because they just referenced them as the prime minister oh that's fun they went out of their way because it was the margaret thatcher era but they didn't want it to be a commentary on that whereas if you watch the new statesman he he's outright a conservative, but he then becomes labor later on because he, um, Alan Bastard just pretends to be like whatever will benefit that's, him the most. That's he what you do right money. before you
1: start killing people.
0: Um, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> but like Alan Bastard is such a big influence on political culture, uh, political British political culture. Like there was literally someone who asked tony blair like are you being at ad- it's like is um alan bastard advising you oh really yeah because he was just like i don't i'm not that familiar but it's like what was he doing that you're like
1: i can't imagine that's crazy that, to, to have such an influential show and like have it crop up as a reference like in politics but i guess that's what happened with this movie too i was reading that like yeah Wag the dog became said or started to be said a lot around the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. Uh, once yeah. we started going to war in, um, was it the Balkans or was that H. W. Bush? I check,
0: like,
1: yeah. Listen, our, my AP history it stopped at uh, I think like Nixon. <laughs> That's as far as we got.
0: Yeah, but no, you also could have uh, listened to the intro. <laughs> <laughs> <There>. <laughs> yeah
1: you're listening go go back if you have the attention span of me go back and get you can find the answer to that question
0: but yes it was kosovo that people were talking about which consider granted it's only had staying power in political circles but it's a movie that has had staying power and it wasn't this gigantic hit at the time
1: yeah I wonder what the modern if this movie could at all work, if there's a way to do this movie, but also factor in the political um, awareness that came about during what I guess I'll call the Trump era, the technology era, whatever you want to call it. But we're all inundated with podcasts and, you know, our celebrities are all getting like, quote unquote, getting political. And like it seems much harder to avoid political discourse now. Uh, Thanks to social media and just all of the activation that happened during the Trump administration. I wonder if it's possible to still do a version of this movie.
0: I don't think so, because it is very dark and heavy. And even though it is a political satire, black comedy, I didn't find it very funny. Agreed. I think some of that's the fatigue. Some of it, it didn't hit that mark for me. I think if they were going to do something like this today, it would have to be a straight up farce.
1: Yeah, it'd have to be a little more slapstick, a little more over the top, because, yeah, I guess we've all lived through an age where misinformation is not super funny. And that's basically what this whole movie traffics in.
0: Right. Like it would have to be the president did something ridiculous that everyone knows about. It's an open secret and then they have to cover it up. Yeah. And everyone starts pretending like to keep his dignity Sort of like something like George H. W. Bush when he threw up in the lap of the Japanese premier.
1: Oh yeah.
0: It would have to be something on that level and then like everyone trying to like cover up and then like international politics get involved. It's like multiple countries trying to cover it up.
1: Yeah. Op- open political secrets that are all, that really don't leave uh, the political sphere. DC or international UN. Oh, a UN version of this is all t- This all has something to do with, like, the inner workings of the UN could be a fun one.
0: True, and they're supposed to be apolitical, but everyone has opinions on them. Um, So I I think it would be hard to get people caring about the UN.
1: That's true. Everyone has to root for their home team. Do some Uh. kind of element of that. But yeah, I mean, Wag the Dog, it was, I guess at the end of the day, it wasn't super fun to watch because as we both sort of hinted at, the the premise, the bit, whatever you want to call it, it lands immediately and then the movie just kind of drags it out. But uh, you can't say it's not thought-provoking.
0: And I think part of the reason why it hit better when I was 17 is that I didn't see where it was going. And it's been 15 years since I saw it. So like there are details that weren't super clear. But also, mm-hmm. if it held up, I would still feel like it's a great movie. Whereas now I'm like, yup, that happened. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, this could happen because of the internet. And when the movie came out, the internet was nowhere near what it is today. Right. It existed, but you mainly went on the internet for either porn or like com. Yeah. Which is where you
1: went on your way to porn.
0: Well, yeah. (laughs) yes i mean google had only existed for a year when this movie came out
1: yeah i mean a lot of the stuff they deal with in this movie are things people could figure out people could find out like they it's weird that they mentioned jim belushi is a uh, uh like albanian and they have him because people can figure this stuff out but they they really try to lay on thick that like no one cares enough to look and I think there's some truth to that, even to I this mean, day in the age of the internet.
0: I mean, people only, true, people only looked up Afghanistan after 9/11.
1: Yeah, and I wonder, like, where, if, like, if they would have looked up anywhere, depending on where the uh, intelligence came from of what happened. Um, now, I'm not trying to get into like 9/11 conspiracies. I, I, I'm not a 9/11 conspiracist. I'm just saying, what's, what starts that search? You know what I mean? Is it. it intelligence and could the intelligence like lie to us theoretically yes but i'd also like to think there's a lot in place to make sure that those lies get found out and this movie asks the very like dark question what if there's not
0: that is true i think it's harder to hide things granted there could be only one person person telling the truth and no one's paying attention but i do think that eventually, granted, it could be like 50 years from now when documents get declassified. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we would eventually find out the truth.
1: Yeah. Or when just people look at this part of history enough to like, like, you look at something like the JFK assassination or something like that, like people have gone and done the homework and looked at this from every angle. So if there was a conspiracy at play there, like, you know, they got away with it. But I don't think, anyone expects the degree of eyes to be on it the way they have been on everything that a conspiracy sort of stems from. JFK, 9-11, like all of these things. No one can prepare for that level of scrutiny. But maybe maybe there are more De Niro's in this world than I think.
0: I also think that if they introduced the internet, this would have been a very different movie, even at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they kind of hinted at, like, Not everyone's on board that this is a real war.
1: Yeah. The CIA comes and they're just like, this is all bullshit. And De Niro just sort of talks them out of it.
0: Right. And now we would have a whistleblower. We could have multiple Mm -hmm. whistleblowers. Um, Someone would be the modern equivalent of Deep Throat.
1: Yeah. I think information is, it's so ubiquitous. And at the same time, like everyone is a fact checker. Like, I work in journalism and like I do my best to fact check and I can get burned by anyone on Twitter who just is slightly better than me at it. And they find that I publish something incorrect or something like that. So it's like you do you do have to check because there was a time where even if like at this at this time for this movie, if someone figured out that De Niro was full of shit and that there was no like that town in Albania or something like that, they may have nowhere to go with that information. Uh, you just not is... an
0: E on this podcast.
1: Oops, sorry.
0: It's okay. I really don't care, but that just yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I'm surprised I went this long without inadvertently swearing. <laughs> I don't care. But um, you know n- now anyone has a place to like they can just go to Twitter with that information, and I think that in a weird way makes us more honest, but also you know doesn't also leads to a lot of uh misinformation a lot of a lot of breeding grounds for people to just say whatever and people buy it
0: and especially with the whole blue check mark thing
1: don't get me started
0: it's a disaster and i think the fact that we've even lost some of those checks again no pun intended that helped us determine is this who they say they are yeah and now it's like Anyone could say who they want to be if they're willing to pay to.
1: Maybe that's maybe I'm about to give the movie way too much credit, but maybe that's what it's trying to say. It borrows a political expression from Abraham Lincoln from a time where such things were a little more honest. And it takes place in a time where the system has been gamed all to hell. And maybe what you and I are discovering by bringing the Internet into it, too, is that, yeah, the Internet was supposed to save us all. But now it, too, has been gamed all to hell. And there's really just no place you can go to get true honesty in your political discourse.
0: Well, it's also, like, using a real-life example, Make America Great wasn't created by Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. It was found, I'm looking right now, um, a Republican senator in 1940 said... (laughs)
1: 1940, wow.
0: um, America needs a leader who can coordinate labor, capital, and management, who can give the man of enterprise encouragement, who can give them spirit, which will beget vision, that will make America great again. 1940s, World War II. Oof,
1: that's the man-ran stuff. I almost did it again.
0: <laughs> yes. And 1964, we've got Barry Goldwater, and then let's make America great again. Ronald Reagan.
1: Of course.
0: <laughs> um, and interestingly, bill clinton used some variation of that granted this is according to wikipedia but still (laughs) so like it's not even so it's just fiction and real life we're just recycling the same slogans over and over again and while it's let's um you don't change horses midstream isn't a great slogan it's fear-mongering also
1: yeah it's it's All about the power's in your hands, don't screw it up.
0: I and I think the movie may have landed better if the president in the movie had a better slogan. Yeah. (laughs) Like at least one where like people would could buy into it and not one where it's like that's the worst slogan ever. Like
1: Although in the end I guess that's the whole thing that drives Hoffman insane is that yeah, it's such a bad slogan, but it's getting credit for his work.
0: But Hoffman's right. (laughs) (laughs) And if they had like a flash forward or an epilogue where like they had words, I'm sure it would be like 50 years from now. Like everything's revealed.
1: Yeah. At least that would be the hope. Some kind of uh, uh, comeuppance, but I guess it's just not that kind of movie. It's a movie about bad people getting away with bad things.
0: Or what would the sequel look like?
1: (laughs) probably a world rife with albanian terrorists and presidents who well i was about to say presidents who are like guilty of sexual misconduct but
0: (laughs) we've had we've had multiple of those
1: it's not yeah it's, it's not a good crazy bizarre list if one out of the two is a real thing
0: yes oh we'll edit this out but if you're wondering what i'm looking at wait are you humping him
1: oh please have pets Yes. Please have pets and not roommates.
0: Yes, I have cats who are twins.
1: Ah, okay.
0: <laughs> and Edward likes to stand on top of Eric. I guess he's asserting his dominance, but I guess... Eric just sits there like, "Okay, dude, whatever."
1: I guess they do that in the cat community too. Uh,
0: so yeah. But yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that would have been important context. <laughs> or we'll just leave that in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a big laugh. I'll take it. <laughs> we'll start with that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. That'll be like the opening soundbite. We'll open with that and we'll close on a medley of uh uh post 9/11 country songs. Uh, Best podcast episode ever. Oh jeez. I'll just
0: send this to Alex and don't even warn him. <laughs> Um Yeah, he doesn't usually start making a motion that I think was humping. So
1: this episode is Wag the Dog featuring Hump the Cat. Yes. Cool. I like it.
0: That's what we're gonna <laughs> title it.
1: Hump the Cat. Hump the Cat. That's the sequel. Oh, that's what we're that's <laughs> that's what the sequel would be. To answer your question.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh and then it would just be the aftermath of how the country is dealing with finding out that this whole thing was just manipulating them.
1: Yeah. The blowback. Yes. Oh, that would be a good sequel. It's just the trial of Robert De Niro or the congressional hearing of Robert De Niro.
0: Yeah. Because then he would also have, um, yeah, it would be the trial of Robert De Niro. And then you would have like the group of people who are like, it doesn't matter. It wasn't real.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: We felt it was real.
1: Yeah. We believe in the president.
0: And, oh, I'm blanking out on what I would have said. But, yeah, it would just be the country dealing with the aftermath of Robert De Niro. Oh, and then there would be a murder trial because he was involved in killing Dustin Hoffman's character.
1: Yeah. Secret Service would probably turn on him.
0: Because we'll find out those weren't the Secret Service. Those were just random thugs.
1: Those are, Yeah. And, and his employee. Yes. Yeah, man. I think I think we should cut all this out and we should just write this movie. But get rich. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, thank you, Tyler. Is of there course. Anything else you want to add before we end today?
1: <laughs> no, uh, this was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, please, you know, if you're listening, keep listening. Uh, this is a fun show. Uh, If you liked this, you'll probably love the episode uh, on Dick. That's where my wife was a guest uh, talking about a much much more fun movie than this one. Uh, And if you like either of these episodes, please go on the Pop Break today and listen to our podcast, Not Couple Goals, where we talk about uh, romantic thriller movies. So if you like political movies or if you like romantic thriller movies, check it out. It's all there for you on the Pop Break feed.
0: And thank you for joining us, both Tyler and listeners, please remember I have pets, not roommates. <laughs> and see you next time or hear you next time. And this has been Operate Goes to Washington.